So I know you're supposed, you know, supposed to be interviewing me, but do you want to tell me? I don't know what's happening with the recording, but do you want to tell me about what had you migrate, or is this not the time? No, I'm I'm approaching my interviews very differently than I used to in the past. It used to be we'd come on, we'd go for it, and that would be it. But now I um, I like a conversational style. So, I mean, I have a family up here, and I'd always resisted because I've been coming up here for 25 years visiting. And I'm like, I can't deal with the rain. You know, the, the Bay Area is cosmopolitan. It's diverse. It's blah, blah, all the things that L.A. is as well. And I just didn't want to be here. And I'm like, I, this is not that. I'm like, I need to make a change. I cannot stay in this crazy rat race of the Bay Area. And the culture of the Bay Area has turned from a creative Mecca to a technology Mecca. I mean, it's really a different personality than it once was. So even though it's still wonderful and I consider it home, um, it's, it's not what it once was. So Um, I'm writing a book called falling in love with your shadows, mm -hmm. not just tolerating them, not just putting up with them, but falling in love with them. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing, I, I've been writing this book for a bunch of years because it felt like my calling, like my calling was I promised the powers that be that if I was able to have a breakthrough in a particular area that I would spend my life sharing it with other people. Mm -hmm. And I had a breakthrough of massive proportions that feels like it's my mission. It's my personal mission. And it's not a unique concept, but it's unique because of the way it happened through me and the way I want to provide, uh, you know, that inspiration to others. So I've got these two books going. One is the self-help version because I feel like that will get out faster. When I'm writing the memoir version, it's so naked and so personal and so scary that I, I want to take time to mold that version. And I want to take time to be gentle and merciful with that version and to love myself through the process of that version and then provide that for people to walk through my pain and my nakedness and map themselves onto it. Because, you know, I learn better from someone else's experience than just from being self-helped. So, you know, did you read the book, um, The Glass Castle? Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you read the book, Educated? No. Okay. Okay. These two books are memoirs about women who have had it pretty tough. Okay. And it's naked. And I, I appreciate, The Glass Castle, I appreciate so much because she tells her story so neutrally that she doesn't say feel sorry for me because you don't need her to tell you to feel sorry for her you just do you just can't believe what this lady lives through and educated she doesn't need you to tell you to feel sorry for her you're just like oh my god how did you live through this so i'm trying to map myself onto those books because you know we all have our hard times and whatever like my hard time will make you go, oh, poor little. And your hard time will make me say, oh, poor little. Like we all have hard times. And yes, you hear other people's hard times are so much worse. And other people seem so much better. But something my mom always used to say to me is, everyone has their own court of pain. Mm. Like relative to your life, your court is as full as someone else's court. Your mm -hmm. tolerance is as full as someone else's tolerance. Like everyone's different. Like how can we say? 
And that reminds me, since my mouth is just going and I had a really strong matcha tea this morning. Okay. That reminds me, um, there were these monks that Lama, yeah, Tibetan Lamas that um, were at a school, my son's school actually, and they were giving a talk and they asked anyone if they had questions. And after the kids were all done with their questions, I'm like, pick on me, pick on me. And I said, um, I said, I need some help. I said, I am not a wealthy American based on American standards, but I have a car and a roof and a home and food and insurance and a job. And like, when I say it like that, I sound really rich in comparison to the people you're dealing with. And how do I deal with the survivor's guilt of having as much as I have, but simultaneously as American, not feeling like I have that much? Like, how do I feel okay about what I have and even want more while so many people are suffering? And I was wishing he would give me like the golden answer. And the answer he did give me was sweet. He said, if you're an American at all, you have good karma. Hmm. No matter where you are in America, no matter how poor you are in America, you have good karma that you're in America. Hmm. He says, and with whatever you have, it's your charge to share it. So I do share. I like that, actually. Yeah. You do share it. I do share. I mean, I share. I don't know if I'm supposed to share more. I share. I share relative to my life. I share. So anyway, um, I can't remember why I went off on that tangent and how to get back. So maybe you can help me. (laughs) No, we're talking about books and memoirs. And I, 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 my first book back was a memoir. I've I've actually done a little bit of that and it's really difficult. And that one book, the heart of the matter, it took me five years, really. My other books took me I mean, the energy of abundance, once I got a book deal, it took me two months to write that thing. <laughs> so it's sort of like it's a different mindset, but yeah. anyhow, um, this, but book, you- this book is much more just me being uh, irreverent and, and I am that way live and in person. So, but I know I hear everything you're saying about the nakedness and there's value in that. And so as you and I are being really naked with each other, I know people eat this shit up. They love it. They love this. And I I think it also gives permission for other people to bring down the walls and the roles and step into what's real. Well, and you know, and I think this is where the title of my book will be helpful for you and for all of us that have the gift of articulation. Did you say loving your shadows? What is it? Falling in love with your shadows. Falling in love with your shadows. Okay. Because when out? when's that available? Or where is there a timeline? No, there's not a timeline. I have to stop with the timeline. <laughs> got it. I got so, it. It'll be know, in the next cycle of life. <laughs> exactly. It's well, I, since I finally figured out to split off into a self-help for self-help version and then the memoir version, my self-help version is further along than uh my memoir version my memoir version i've got hundreds of pages but i keep you know redoing the structure blah 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 um but regarding 
the face you keep making about exposing yourself, like, mm, this is how I am in my real life. You know, I feel like if we fall in love with our own shadows first, if we understand why they were there in their aberrant attempt to protect us, that they were always our best friends. They were just like these, as my friend Kelly says, they're like these latchkey kids that are just trying to figure out how to keep ourselves alive. For those of us that perhaps didn't have parental guidance or weren't seen or watched or guided or had unhealthy dysfunctional homes. Did I just mention 99% of the families? So, <laughs> um, so I think if we have reverence for and gratitude for and understanding for and compassion for the parts of ourselves that we hate, the parts of ourselves that lied to ourselves, the parts of ourselves that lied to others, the parts of ourselves that become bitchy and cold or rageful or doormats or like every single part of ourselves had a good intention and its intention was to protect us. And so if we know that, then when we present our story to others with some breakthroughs involved, then who isn't gonna relate to that? And how brave of us to share that. Now, are we gonna be attacked and are we gonna be judged? Yeah, because that's what people do. Guess what? Attacking and judgment is a perfect survival mechanism for deflection. Don't see me. I'm going to judge you so you don't see me. It's bully behavior. It's perfect because every single one of us is so incredibly flawed. So yeah, if I point to your flaws because you nakedly presented yourself under fluorescent lights and a lazy Susan, then you won't look at mine. And I'm just going to sit back here with my friends and go, ah, look what she did. I'm a good, I'm a good religious person that would never have done anything like that. <laughs> you know, right? Like you can't even get away with anything these days. This is the society of technology. So whatever you think you're hiding, you can't hide it. And the universe doesn't let you hide stuff anyway, yeah. right? Like you try to hide something good freaking luck. The universe is like, <laughs> poke, 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 poke. Good luck with that. <laughs> right. So if you have the gift of articulation, like you do and like I do, and if you have the gift of bravery, like you do and I do, it's our charge. That's the, that's the abundance that we have. It's our charge to share it. And then we provide with our own self-acceptance and bravery, we provide, like you just said, like we provide permission for other people mm -hmm. to be more honest mm -hmm. with themselves and others. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to add the cherry on top of this conversation. The cherry on top of this conversation for me is that most of us are standing on the shoulders of parents and ancestors whose lives were all about surviving. Mm -hmm. And we are the newest generation that are standing high enough above the ground that we're about thriving. Mm -hmm. And thriving is a new language for us. And thriving is about the permission to have feelings, the permission to have wants and happiness. Mm -hmm. Like this, you know, it says the pursuit of happiness is our inalienable right. But I don't think we've been, I don't think we've had I don't think our ancestors had the bandwidth for happiness. I think it was about survival. So I think we're brand new fetuses in the world of happiness mm -hmm. and thriving. And so those of us that are brave enough in the new world to talk about happiness over survival, I think that we have to be here a long time in order for that to become the cultural language. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. It's that's a beautiful thought and very broad. It's something we don't even consider. I think we're mired down in the mundane of our life and trying to survive. And 
and, and I think the history that you reference comes forward. There's some genetic and physiological piece that comes with that, that uh, we're born with. And yeah. so even as we try to rewrite the story, there's all some programming and genetic lineage. I don't know that goes pretty woo woo, but I relate. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I love the way you articulate things and the use of language. It really brings focus to things in a way that I don't typically hear from people. Um, I don't know. One of the things that caught me on your website, and maybe you can talk about this because you one of your many books, and we can talk about as many of those as we want because they all look fantastic. You use the word insult in there and one of the books and and, toward, and related to health, is that what was that yeah. called? Yeah, it's called Insults and Antidotes to Eating, Thinking, and Being Awesome. <laughs> yes. What, what's that? I mean, it, you don't have to tell the whole book. But what's yeah. that? Really, oh, by the way, your website is Love Your Health. Love oh, Your Way to Health. Love Your Way to Health. And see, that, that even of itself, because most people view their health. It's like, oh, I have to deprive myself or I have to punish my body and through extra, they don't see it as a giving to yourself or something that is a loving thing. And I, I just, that's fantastic. So loveyourwaytohealth.com. So let's, the, that particular book, what's the premise and what do we get when we read that book? Okay, so Insults and Antidotes to Eating, Thinking and Being Awesome. That title came when I was invited by you to speak at the event in San Francisco. That's where that title for that book came. Um, I think it came around right around that time. Basically, it's like, what behaviors, thoughts, and foods are insulting to our body? Like, what is harmful? What's, what, right? What takes from you? What subtracts from your health? And then antidotes would be, okay, most of us, are at a low set point of how we treat ourselves. Because again, for, through our ancestry, we're kind of just doing what other people did. And right, we're all trying to level up our behavior, level up our food, level up our lives, which I know you're smiling because you remember that from our first talk. Um, I, that has never, I use that to this day, that phrase. I'm so glad. Yeah, my sister said, my sister has two children with a total of 15 special needs between the two of them, oh. 15. And when I talk about leveling up with her, she's like, look, I can level up from a white flour tortilla to a whole wheat flour tortilla, but don't talk about anything else. I'm like, that's fine. That's a level up. Exactly. We'll move from whole wheat flour to organic whole wheat flour when you're ready, right? <laughs> so that book, it just kind of lists some basic understanding of the many insults, some that we think about, some that we don't think about. And then the antidotes, which are level up ideas. So it's not like, quit all meat and eat all vegetables. It's like, no, take your meat and make it organic. Take your meat and make a smaller portion and increase your vegetables. Like I'm a huge fan of lowering the bar for change. Mm -hmm. All of us are like, raise the bar, raise the bar. I'm like, hell no. We're all do more, be more people. And we're exhausted and feel like we're failing and not enough. I'm about lowering the bar. And I'll tell you, I, when my son had a psychotic break, I lowered the bar all the way to the ground. I decided life was shit. Life sucked and life was shit. And anything other than that was a gift. Mm. And guess what? I put my eyes all the way to the ground and every little blade of grass that grew out of it became a gift. Every little blade of grass that grew out of that shit 
became a gift. And, and, and so I see the same for my, for my antidotes. Like you don't have to go change your whole life. Right. Just change one little thing. Yeah. If you set the bar low, when you change that one little thing, you get to have that dopamine rush of accomplishment. But most of us feel like we have to do all the big things in order to feel good enough. Bullshit. Am I allowed to cuss on your thing? Bullshit. Bullshit. We all, you know, and as Americans, we expect a lot of ourselves too. We are driven. Like in Spain, you freaking nap for two hours. You eat at 10. You spend time with your friends. You work to live. You don't live to work. Here we are all upside down and backwards. We are driven. We are adrenal fatigued. We're exhausted. And, and no matter how much we do, we don't feel like we're good enough. So that's one of the things I love about my books and about my counseling. People come to me and I'm like, you expect too much. Mm -hmm. I, I go, what are your goals? They tell me their goals. I said, okay, let's cut them down by a quarter. Mm -hmm. Accomplish that quarter. And if you do a little bit more, then feel good about yourself. Feel like, oh, I did more. Yeah. Just set the bar lower. So that. having said that, I also feel like lots of people know what to do, and what's right to do and what they shouldn't do and all that stuff. But I try to provide information about the insults and the antidotes that make you understand it in your bones. Like, mm. like, like when you eat food, for instance, everyone's like, yeah, I know I shouldn't eat this McDonald's burger, but it tastes really good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm all about 80 to, 80 to 90% have a, a good diet and 10, 20% play. Well, for some people, 80 to 90% of their diet is crap. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, go from 10% good food to 15% good food. Let's level up. But in my book, you kind of understand why do you want to level up? For instance, like the metaphor of every bite of food that you eat creates every cell in your body. Mm. So if you're going to build a house, do you want to build a house with termite infested wood or do you want to build it with strong oak? Mm. So when you put fast food in your mouth, you're using termite infested food, termite infested wood to build your house. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have one termite infested board, is that going to ruin your whole house? No, it's not. But if 90% of your house is built by termite infested wood, your house is going to crumble your body's going to crumble. So if, so when you think about it like that, like, oh, this highly processed white bun, this, you know, factory farmed animal, this high fructose, you know, corn syrup laden ketchup, this trans fat laden fat that my fries are fried in. When I think about those being the, the materials that make up every cell of my body, I might level up. Now, maybe I still want that hamburger and those fries. I'm not saying don't eat hamburger and fries. I'm saying go make it at home. Get it a grass-fed bun, a burger. Go get an organic whole grain bun. Make your own ketchup. Get Amy's Organics ketchup that doesn't have high fructose corn syrup. Make potato fries out of your Yukon Gold organic potatoes. Or go to Next Level Burger and go get it over there. You can get a, you can get a vegan version of that, and it's organic. Like. I'm all about translating your cravings into the next level that, so you still have what you want, but you just have a better version of it. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of thing. Like I'm explaining why it hurts you, what the next level is, why you want to do it and do a little bit at a time. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. And I, I so agree that we're this culture of do more, be more, you know, and it's never enough and achievement versus allowing and just being in life. And, and and running the risk of sounding political, which I'm not, 
but I, I, I think that we are every day being influenced on purpose to buy certain things like meat. And I don't have to, I happen to be vegetarian, not because I'm anti-meat, it's just vegetables work for my body. That's it. I, I've liked salad since I was 12. Just don't sue me. But I do see there's a constant pressure to eat meat. It, and I find it annoying and I happen to like cows a lot. <laughs> so anyhow, I mean, do, is that part of it, the culturalized mentality to do more, be more, eat more meat? Or <laughs> you don't have to comment if you don't want to go there, but I'm just well, curious what you think about that. I, you know, it's an interesting, interesting concept. So yeah, I, I, I feel like there's definitely a way in which certain types of foods are subsidized to be cheap yeah. and I'm, I'm not going to speak too much to the political nature let's just say that if it's inexpensive there's a profit if it's inexpensive for us to buy it's because usually there's a profit it's easy um, also I think there's something very interesting about something I learned in my school at Institute for Integrative Nutrition I went to in New York and he used to talk about how, depending on what kind of animal you eat, you start to resemble the animal because after all, you become what you eat. So you start to resemble the animal that you eat. So there's certain people who have beadier eyes and larger faces and bodies, and guess what they eat most of? Cow. You, have, you see some people who are super thin and kind of A-type and kind of fidgety, chicken. You see some people with like, like little eyes and bigger ears, pig. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting how we become this thing. Uh, Einstein says that he believes that in the future we will start to see the eating of animals as akin to a Holocaust. Very interesting. Okay, now, am I, I'm vegan, but I also eat fish. I'm also not, do I look like a fish? I'm also, not, <laughs> I'm also not a zealot. I don't like to be a zealot because I also believe the American Indian way. You hunt for the animal. It's natural. It's free range. It's a part of the cycle of life. Um, you bless and thank the animal for its life. You show it reverence. You use the entire animal. Um, I think that's beautiful. Like, do I think it's beautiful to kill an animal? I don't want to kill an animal. I'm squeamish that way, you know? But even plants have consciousness, I believe. I was reading a book about, about how they put lie detector sensors on, on these plants, and then they, they actually measured the reaction of the plant based upon the intention of the approaching human. Mm. 